Puget Sand. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three. Yes, episode three of Vintage Sand, the film history podcast. Uh, I'm Josh Cabot, uh, as always, with my gang here, Mike Edmund and John Meyer. And our topic today, as we delve into the more recent history of film, is called Whatever Happened to the Class of 1999? And what I mean by that is... At the end of the 20th century, there was this just incredible spate of great American films. Um, say from 98 to 2000 into 2001, you had Being John Malkovich, The Matrix, uh, Fight Club and the Game, Pi, Requiem for a Dream, Magnolia, following Boogie Nights, uh, Three Kings, Election, Boys Don't Cry, uh, Velvet Goldmine, following Safe, Hello Todd Haynes, uh, Rushmore, Memento, Todd Solondz's Happiness, The Blair Witch Project, Mary Harron's American Psycho, uh, Donnie Darko by Richard Where Have You Gone Kelly, um, Sixth Sense even, let's throw M. Night Shyamalan in there, Almost Famous, uh, George Will Washington. Will Tarantino in this? Oh, Tarantino's okay. very much included. Because sh- Pulp Fiction is a few years before. Right, so and Jackie right. Brown's a little bit before, but we're including him on the list. Virgin Suicides, which was Sofia Coppola's first film, Out of oh, Sight, uh, we'll throw Soderbergh in there as well. And just an incredible list of directors and you've really got the feeling that these guys and gals were going to be the next wave. We had had that great wave of film school directors in the 70s, the so-called American New Wave, the Scorsese, De Palma, Coppola, Spielberg, Lucas, and to a lesser extent, you know, Bogdanovich and Friedkin, but this this wave of that just sort of took over American film and really set it on its ear in an amazing way. Those guys had, for the most part, faded out at this point, and we thought, I mean, with this incredible list of directors, we were really going to have a new wave, and it just hasn't really turned out that way. So today, we're going to ask the question, what happened to the generation of 99, and why did that happen? Some of them have disappeared completely, like, say, Myrick and Sanchez, who directed Blair Witch. Some of them are strong as ever, like Christopher Nolan. Some of them are hit and miss, like Todd Haynes, uh, and some would argue like Paul Thomas Anderson. So we're getting, and we're leaving Terrence Malick out of this. He's a category unto himself. He's like the Kubrick of that generation. Not Not a Malick fan, eh, Michael? Not after the last one I saw. <laughs> well, I didn't see it, but I did see... Um, the one that was like Entourage. I love Tree of Life. I, I, I do, too. I, I like Tree of Life. I do not. And Malick started a long time ago. Right, so, so yeah. I'm just saying... Deadlands so I'm saying you can't even... Can't, I don't even consider Malick part of that 70s new wave, American New Wave group because he's so off on his own. So it seemed like, you know, 20 years had passed since the rise of the American New Wave, and we had our next New Wave, and it just didn't pan out. So what we're going to focus on today is essentially two questions, and those are very simply, which of that group of directors, which includes the following, and I'm not including everyone, and guys feel free to jump in here. I'm throwing Quentin Tarantino, Anderson's uh, both PT and West divisions, uh, Todd Haynes, Chris Nolan, now the Wachowski sisters, no longer brothers. Um, might throw Richard Link- Linklater in there, although he's been around for a while, was around for a while longer than that. Uh, David Fincher, Darren Aronofsky, David O. Russell, Alexander Payne, M. Night Shyamalan. Um, the whole, I put the whole Spike Jones, Michel Gondry, Charlie Kaufman yeah. nexus into one uh, in, into one group. 
Uh, Cameron Crowe, Kim Pierce. I mean, what happened to her? I know, right? Did you see Stop Loss? No. No. Stop Loss was the only other film of hers I've seen. It was with Ryan Philippe. Right. I know what it's. It's. And it was. I thought it was really. Good. I heard it was actually very good. Yeah. yeah and. But well, I mean, Don't Lent. Cry is an excellent movie, and uh, she kind of about twenty years ahead of its time disappeared. I mean, yeah. the first film that really brought to light, at least to, for my mind, the issue of gender spectrum and what that meant, and it was such a beautifully done film too. I mean, she, yeah. and you know, Hilary Swank got her reward, yeah. but um, it just seemed she just seemed to disappear. Um, and Mary Harron, I think American Psycho is is a twisted masterpiece, and she disappeared. so much better than the book. Oh yeah. Well, that's that's a low bar, Michael. True. Low bar, low bar. Todd Solondz. I mean, you know, I'm I'm one of the three people who actually went to see, and I love palindromes. I mean, that's how much of a Solondz fan I was, and you know, just gone. Uh, a lot of people. She's been doing. I think she's been doing TV. Uh, yeah, I I, I yeah. I, I think she, Andy Warhol is a good movie. Yep. Yes, that's what she's kind of started out with. Yeah. Yep. But so we'll ask the first question. Which is of those directors or anyone else you feel it sort of came of came of age in that turn of the century period, um, which is done best in your book, John? Let's start with best? you. Best, uh, boy. Who's your um, Who's your fave? Who do you think has most lived up to his or her potential? Well, Paul Thomas Anderson is is a little bit hit or miss or whatever, but I also think he's he's made some very good movies and he's he can be challenging. <laughs> to say the least. I never come out of his movie saying I wish I hadn't seen that. Yeah. No matter, yeah. even if I don't like yeah. it. I kind yeah. of felt that way about Inherent Vice, but that's the only one. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd rather see Long I, I Goodbye like, again. I like Wes Anderson a lot. Um, although he seems to have been created this kind of niche for himself, that sort of storybook form or whatever. Um, I really loved his last movie, Isle of Dogs. But, oh, right? You it? Wasn't it, it wonderful? Was lovely. I mean, mm. I, I mean, it's, I mean, there's humor in it, and it has it's sort of a hero's journey type movie. It absolutely is. It really is, and that, I just love the way that he does the he uses the animation. It's it's beautiful and witty. And have you seen Fantastic Mr. Fox? Oh, yes. of course. Oh, yes, which I think is, is just yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Any film that begins with heroes and villains is is um, okay in my book. I, David O. Russell is kind of hit or miss, but uh, he's made some really good movies. Uh, I don't know. I don't like the Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, Brad Cooper films so much, you know, Silver Linings and Joy. I do. And I like Joy. Joy, I Joy was disappointed in Joy. I think uh, just not good. <laughs> I don't want to say not good. There's some good things in it, but it's a disappointment. Some of the writing is. Some of the minor characters became almost cartoony. Well, I mean, you know, and he did maybe the worst film of anybody on this list, which is I Heart Huckabees, which yeah, was. That's... <laughs> Kind of like I Heart Huckabee. The only thing I like about that is the love they give Shania Twain at the end of the movie. Who no. is all deserving, <laughs> all deserving I, of it. I thought it was a challenging movie. And there are very few comedies that are really challenging. And I, I did like it. I, right. I'm sorry he made Lily Tomlin cry, supposedly. Yeah, um, yeah he's shoot. apparently... Well, listen, again, we, we go back to directors not being nice people. Yeah, but he's supposed to be really horrible. Yeah, he's supposed to be genuinely horrible. Well, I um, don't know for sure. I mean, you know, and so. as for PT, uh, you know, I'm with you. I think there will be blood as a flat out masterpiece. And I, I we've talked about this before. I think the master, uh, the master is one of those. I want to see that again. Yes, 
it's one of those films like last year at Marion Bod where I walked away saying I didn't get it, but I think there's something to get here that I'm I'm not quick enough to see what he's trying to do. Well, I, well that that's definitely how I feel now. When I first saw it, I kept seeing scenes that were beautifully that done. running scene. Beautiful, yeah, beautifully, oh. beautifully yeah. acted. Um, I mean, he's, he's an an astonishing craftsman. His, yes. his movies no, are beautiful. No doubt. Um, but at the end, I just got the sense like, what was this movie about? I felt that way a little bit about Phantom Thread, as, oh, beautiful, as beautiful as it was. See, there I disagree with you. No, I, I, Phantom I, Thread, I think, I think the writing is very focused, whereas in The Master, I kind of felt like there was is almost like two stories jamming up against each other, and it, it, it was... Like, I didn't know where to go kind of thing. For me, I want to see it again, though. For me, Phantom Thread was so good. And I I think it's his best film. And uh, even better than... Um, There'll uh, Be Blood? Yeah. There'll Be Blood was... Well, I was disappointed, but when I initially saw it, I did not care for what Daniel Day-Lewis's John Huston imitation. <laughs> I thought the casting I of my um, Paul um, Dano was bizarre. Absolutely. And because a, you need someone who's sort of right. his counterbalance, and that's not Paul Dano. But, I thought that was the big flaw in that movie. But yeah. Phantom Thread was so good. I, I think, it, for me, it's the best movie I've seen in the last five years. Wow. It Bold was statement, Michael. I know, I know. And uh, I saw it at a screening way before it opened that people were booing. Uh, they hated what? it so much, and, and yeah, it was it was people were just I know people who just despise that movie, and I liked it so much, and I went to see it at the theater like four times, which I haven't done in years, and it makes me want to we just rewatch all his other films. Well, see, that's I, that's how good it was. My problem with PTA is that I was so in love with. The Boogie Nights Magnolia style of filmmaking, you know, the 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 twenty five characters yeah. bumping into each other, and you know, the diegetic non diegetic sound, and just you know, incredible use of music, and I, you know, and it was such a jump from that to There Will Be Blood, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, where you focus on the one right. character or whatever for three hours, yeah. yeah. But I I think there's something. As American, you mentioned Chinatown, and I, you know, it's definitely a rip. But I think that it's there's something in that that's as American as Citizen Kane or, or Chinatown about our character and who we are and why we are the way we are. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to see it again. I have it on um, DVR. Turner Classic Movies actually had it on like a oh two yeah, in the it was a long long time ago. When yeah, it was on. No, I... and I want to watch it again because, um, as I said, uh, Phantom Thread I thought was just so. Totally magnificent that uh, it makes me want to see. Even it makes me even want to see that um, inherent uh, comedy. No, I, I enjoyed inherent vice. I, I I didn't like it as much as uh, as the critics. But no, the uh, one uh, with the actor I can't stand. Uh, oh, punch drunk love. Punch drunk love. Yeah, that yeah. one I did not like. I, I liked I, I it for like an that. Adam Sandler movie. I thought, oh, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> it's better than Happy Gilmore. Yes. I, okay, we've got I missed Happy one. Gilmore. <laughs> missed that one. Uh, yeah, uh, you didn't miss yeah. much of anything. I missed most of his movies. I even missed Saturday Night Live when he was on it. Um, so, I yeah, I mean, I'm still, a uh, jury's still out for me on PTA, but I mean, I will go. He's gotten a lifetime ticket for me. I mean, he's oh, yeah. one of those directors I'll go see. Well, and I think yes. he also gets credit for forming maybe the best director uh, composer partnership 
of that generation that we're Johnny talking about Greenwood? with Johnny Greenwood oh, from no. Radiohead. I mean, the soundtracks of, are just spectacular. Yeah. I think the thing about him, though, is that he is... He's really reaching and striving mm-hmm. or whatever. No so he's gonna, doubt. He is going to yeah. occasionally misstep. He's, you know, he's very ambitious as far as what he's trying to do. Right. So, I mean, and he's, <laughs> and, he's, and he's treating film as art. He's not trying to make mainstream entertainments. No. And yeah. ha- has anyone tried to adapt Pynchon beside, <laughs> up to well, the big screen I besides? Uh, I don't think no, so. I don't think so. So we got to give PTA credit for that. And he gets wonderful Wonderful performances out of his actors. Yeah. Well, and of course that John you brought up, there's sort of the underlying premise of this uh, of this whole episode is what happens when directors that we love branch off in different directions that are unexpected. Are we disappointed? Do we want them to keep making? You know, do we want them well, to keep making Paul Richard Thomas Anderson films? It's like or? all the movies don't even resemble each other. Not they seem to be made like a different person each time. Well, I mean, I think Boyhood. Boyhood is still my favorite American film of the decade so far. So, and um, for me, Boyhood was a disappointment. Really? All yes. right, we're gonna have to. I'm, in, right, I'm, have to in, argue I'm in between. I, I like. I didn't I dislike it. I it. it was, I thought it was a very good movie, but I wasn't crazy about it. I just didn't care about the boy. I just. I mean, I really found that I, I liked what he was doing. I thought it was audacious, of course, but I just found that the only character I, I really cared about in the whole film was the mother. Yeah, well, that's why I liked it, because in other good films about children, like 400 Blows, the parents are literally like the parents in a yeah, Peanuts cartoon, yeah, yeah, yeah. off-screen going, wah, 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 yeah. wah, wah, And yeah. the, whereas oh, we got absolutely. to see Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette develop, too, which we thought was really right. interesting. That was, that was new. I thought it was an audacious movie, and I give him a lot of credit. I love the, uh, the trilogy. Before Sunrise. Before oh my Sunset. God! The Before Tr- is just amazing. I, I think those three films are some of the best writing in American film in the last twenty years. And I think people my age, because I'm about Linklater's age, I think people my age will look at as as our growing up being recounted like seven up to fourteen up to twenty one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really is our lives. So and Before Midnight, especially is of the of the three, that's beautiful. That's the, All one, three that's of them. the one I like the least in Greece. Is yeah. That? I, I like really? the other two better. Oh, interesting. Before Before Sunrise and Before Sunset. I mean, I like all three of them, but that was my favorite of the three. And uh, and I, I like School of Rock. I think well, that School is, of Rock is a School wonderful, is so one, much one fun. of the immensely watchable films. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it is. It really is. It's very entertaining. It's very funny. And, and I ha- usually hate family films. And yeah, I love <laughs> the way that character evolves. Eventually, he really cares about those kids and starts taking responsibility. I've touched and all he... your kids, and they've touched me. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's a delightful. Uh, was it a, was it a success? I know yes. they made a big musical. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it was. and Andrew Lloyd Webber, Lord Lord Lloyd Webber, turned it into a successful through musical his, too. Through his desperation to be able to pay the rent, he he finds his way. Yeah, I think that was that is such a wonderful film. Yeah. Yep. And well, I, and I love Bernie. The, with the also with Jack, uh, Black. Jack Black, yeah, about the murderer. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's a really wonderful interesting film. F- funny little movie. But then he makes other ones that I go, "Eh." Well, I mean, the last one. Last um, Flag Flying. Last Flag Flying was just a good idea. Well, it's sort of a retread of Last Detail. Last Detail, and it doesn't quite work. How about a shout-out to Hal Ashby as part of that 60s group? Everybody wants some. I don't know. That's the movie. That's the college version of Dazed and Confused. And I love Dazed and Confused, but everybody wants some. I just thought, I don't care about these college kids. These are a bunch... 
these jocks, these baseball jocks. It was it just. Um, but he's constantly he's constantly interesting. Linklater. I mean, even in his oh, he's done. I mean, he did Newtown Boys, which is uh, looks, which looks I didn't like, see. Yeah, which no one saw. Um, <laughs> I'm, as my success of that group, I'm going to throw out Christopher Nolan uh, because to me, what Nolan has done is nothing short of miraculous. Now, I'm not comparing him to Hitchcock, but I will say that he is one of the very few directors around, especially from that group that we're talking about, who it makes financially successful movies that are also artistic successes. And I'm not even talking about the Batman films. I like the Batman films, and I do particularly love Dark Knight, even though I think it's about a half hour, 45 minutes too long. But Yes. I, I thought Dunkirk was a flipping masterpiece. I, I thought yeah, Dun, Dunkirk is great. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I it thought really that is. Interstellar really had its moments, although it was it kind of tripped over itself in a lot of ways. Uh, I I love the Prestige. That's the one that I it's talk a good movie. about. Yeah, I think that's an amazing movie. It's definitely one of his shortest. <laughs> so you have so you have a you have a film length problem with, with, with him with a little bit. Yeah, I usually come away with his films. I not Dunkirk. But well, I come away with most of his films like saying, oh my God, they could have cut in a half hour to an hour out of that. I mean, for I, and I, I love Inception. I know it's a lot of exposition. Mm. In fact, almost all of it is exposition. See, when you're in level four, or you're moving one-fourth yeah, the speed Incep of real time. Inception for me, I, I liked it a lot. The first time I saw it, it's this very interesting, grand puzzle that you're going, you're sort of going on this maze and adventure with them. When I saw it a second time, I was like, there's really not much character development in this movie. No, that was my problem no. with it initially. And I yeah. just, after, after about an hour, I just said, I don't care about these people. The, the two movies of his I like the most, and I have to say, he's another expert craftsman. His movies are technically beautifully, oh, yeah. beautifully made. Or Memento, and, and the yes. last one, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. And Memento, I, I, having taught Memento to my film classes uh, over the years, you know, I've seen it a, a, a couple of dozen times. And you would think, like with a film like Sixth Sense, to bring back Shyamalan, once you see, get the twist at the end, the Twilight Zone twist at the end, then the next time you see it, you're like, oh yeah, okay, I already know. But even if you know the twist at the end of Memento, it still it still reveals new stuff every viewing. Yes, I know there are a couple of really decent sized holes in the plot, but I thought just the casting was perfect. Guy Pierce yeah. and Carrie Ann Moss and Joey Pants and I, I, I just I, I can't get enough of that film. In fact, I think the only abject failure that he's had was uh, the remake of Insomnia. With uh, Pacino and uh, yeah. Robin Williams. Yeah, Williams. Robin yeah. Williams. Yeah. I didn't mind that it's, movie. They're both good in it. I just, I just remember about halfway through the movie, it's like, wait a minute. They're in Alaska. They must have heavy drapes that black out the sun. <laughs> it's, a, it's an hour and a half long ad for blackout shades. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, and you know, there are so few directors... You know, you're usually either Michael Bay or you're David Lynch, and you know yeah. Nolan pretty much much has managed to have his cake and eat it too with some with some ups and downs. But of those directors who made their sort of big splashes back then at the end of the last century, I think that uh, I think that he's done the best, and I can't wait to see what he does next. Michael, who's your okay. who's your favorite among the bunch? Among them, um, I have to say Alexander Payne. Really? Yeah. Now, granted, he's not a total auteur. He's some of his 
scripts are uh, adaptations. That's okay. And he writes with others. Election was an adaptation. Yes, that's Election my was, The Descendants was. Yep. I believe Citizen Ruth was. Which was great. Uh, I like Citizen Ruth a lot. Election, I had problems with. And About Schmidt was a... Uh, was that an adaptation? Well, I believe that was a novel, yeah. Ad- about I so. Schmidt, I liked Sideways, I loved. <laughs> I, I think that is... Um, Let's see. What bothered me about a film that featured a miserable, slightly overweight, balding, bearded English teacher? Huh. I don't know why, I don't know why that one, uh, that, I mean, that one I made saw, me uncomfortable. I, I huh? saw that with John, and I said, gee, I know this person. <laughs> No, I, I think that uh, I think the acting is wonderful. I think the story, uh, I, I, I just that that movie just moves. I think the Descendants. Uh, I think it's George Clooney's finest two hours on film. I I, I, th- I think that I I could I could I, agree to that. I I really was terribly terribly moved. My favorite Alexander Payne is Nebraska. Oh, now maybe it's because gosh, it's in yes. black and white. Glorious from, black and white. From last, I, I couldn't get enough of that movie. I, uh, and I'm not even a Bruce Stern fan. He wanted Nicholson, apparently, but Nicholson was... Bruce Stern's always, yeah. say, always Nicholson's replacement <laughs> for about 50 years now. <laughs> I thought this, the voices sound a little silly. I thought the story was funny and yet moving, and it's it just the, the characterizations, I mean... Um, June Squibb, oh my God, what a wonderful performance. Yeah, that and, scene in the cemetery was the, just... Oh, uh, yeah. And then, last Christmas, he made Downsizing. Mm. Which I did Woo! not see. <laughs> and yeah. it was like, oh my God, what happened? And some critics liked it. I was appalled. I, I think I, I came out of that movie, once again, a SAG screening, thinking I never want to see Matt Damon again. It's, it's kind of put the SAG in SAG screening. Oh right? my God. And I just, I didn't like anything about it. It was this, I, I mean, I don't know if you know the plot where everybody becomes I know, yeah, tiny. No, I, know, I know the movie. I didn't see it's it. It's high concept. It's, it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting yeah. idea. It just, it just stretches. It starts out sort of one movie and ends up another. And I know a lot of people, who, I know several people who loved it. And I was really going in thinking, Okay, okay, another Alexander Payne, you know. The last one was a masterpiece, and downsizing was a major, major disappointment. So, All right, but, but I'll still go to his next. Listen, no, but everybody, every there right. is never a director in history but who's he's had a perfect record. Hitchcock record. made under Capricorn. Sure. Parody case. And Alexander yes. Payne has only directed uh, uh, eight feature-length films that I... Um, and I, you know, as a, as a high school, t- lifelong high school teacher, I think election is just... Spot. I need to see election Dead again. on. I mean, Perfect. the character that Reese Witherspoon played was so horrible and so annoying. Tracy but Flick. I, I got a funny feeling she really does exist. Oh my God! The schools are filled with yeah. Tracy Flicks. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I love Matthew Broderick. In I that do too, too, and I really like him. Yeah. And he's he's actually quite good in it. So for me, Alexander Alexander Payne is just. Except for downsizing, I'm afraid. <laughs> All right. I, I, I have not come away from any of his films, I'm sorry to say that I'm sorry I saw it. Downsizing, I'm afraid I did. I was, I was. Yeah. But, but go see it uh, when it comes on, because a lot of people like it. You, uh, no, hey, listen, if it's pain, it's worth seeing. Yeah, I, absolutely. Know, so to sum up, it's essentially uh, of, of, of the generation of 99, 
John's landing in Paul Thomas Anderson's corner, and that's, you know, it's pretty hard to argue with that. I'm hanging on to Christopher Nolan in spite of his baser commercial instincts and the really loudly mixed Hans Zimmer music, which just drives me crazy. I wish he could <coughs> find himself another composer. And Michael is with Alexander Payne. Although I would have said uh, Anderson, too, just because of my true love of uh, Phantom Thread. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I think that's, I, I think, and, and as John said, I certainly, the award for ambition among that group goes to Paul Thomas yes. Anderson. I mean, yes. he has completely reshaped the kind of filmmaker yeah. he was, and he's reaching for, even if we don't get it all the time, or if there is occasionally no there there, he is definitely aiming really, really high. I, I do like what Christopher Nolan is doing in that he's making commercially popular movies that are... Good. Yeah. I mean, I'm not crazy about the Batman movies. My big problem with the Batman movies is they take themselves so Ooh. seriously. Well, seriously. so does the character. So, that that's that's my well. Yeah. I again the a thir- little. I think a little humor in those movies would go a long way. I think yeah. Anne Hathaway in a Catwoman suit went a long way for me in the last one, as I recall, on a motorcycle. As I said, I didn't, but I didn't oh, see the what last a dead one. giveaway! But I could again with the sound mixing. I couldn't understand what Tom Hardy was saying as Bane. So, all right. So then, with that being said, let's turn to the flip side and which of those aforementioned directors of the so-called generation <coughs> of 99 have sort of been the biggest disappointment for you. Let's go the other Quentin way Tarantino. this time. Alright, hey, we agree. Yes, thank you, John. Alright, Michael, you get to start then because John okay. and I are, gonna, are talking about the same Okay, one. my <clears throat> Tarantino, I don't know if I disagree because uh, he goes up and down for me. Yeah. But my... Even in one movie. Yeah. <laughs> but my biggest disappointment has to be Cameron Crowe. Oh, yeah. Bravo. That's, because he oh, started but... off um, right. so, you know, doing wonderful films like Say Anything, Almost Famous. Oh, brilliant. Jerry yeah. Maguire, one hey. of the few Tom Cruise movies. Did not I like that liked. one, but I have a Renee Zellweger thing. So uh, let's see. He, he wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont uh, High, mm-hmm. which is a wonderful yep. movie. And singles he did too. Singles, I have singles which I liked a lot. What happened to Richard Fonda? Yeah, what did happen to Richard Fonda? She really disappeared. I think. And also, Eric Stoltz was in that. I remember. And and, um, Eric Stoltz directs a lot of television. And Campbell Scott, who also has sort of. He directs too. Did, yeah. Uh, I like singles and a great soundtrack too. If you don't have that, everybody. So. But then after. Almost famous. He did Vanilla Sky, which Ooh. was Ow. I will say it was ambitious. How? But it was not. It was not good. And then Elizabeth Town, another Ooh. movie that was sort of ambitious, but it just kind of. It was like a souffle that really fell flat. In Ambition the of it. and Orlando Bloom tend not to go in the same sentence <laughs> yeah. together. I'm just saying. And then we bought a zoo. Wow. Which. I'm beginning to think you cast Matt Damon, <laughs> you get you you get bad things, because we bought a zoo. It just it just seemed like a a total TV movie. No, it's funny about Matt Damon. I thought that Neil Blomkamp, the South African director who did District Nine, mm-hmm. I thought was going to be a great one. And then I like the, District Nine. The I love District Nine, and the next one was Elysium, which was a great, brilliant idea for a movie, and it was just awful. And then uh, uh, Cameron, Cameron Crowe, right? We bought a zoo. I don't did know. Did he do that? He might have done it as a, you know, money. director for hire. Yeah. Uh, but this last one, Aloha. Ooh, 
was a disaster. Was that Emma Stone playing Asian? Yes, classic. Good, good casting. <laughs> and it had a good cast. Uh, uh, Bradley Cooper was in it. I forget who else. And it, it was this comedy, and it, it was filmed in Hawaii, and it should have. It was just like, why? Why am I sitting here? And I, I, I don't know if he has it in him anymore. I mean, he's in his early sixties now. He wrote a wonderful book, uh, The Conversations with Wilder, with Billy Wilder. Yes, which is in fact, great. he wanted Billy Wilder uh, yeah, to be in Jerry Maguire to be in Jerry yeah. Maguire to play the old um, agent or the old uh, guy guy who fires him. And, yeah, and not... no, Billy Wilder didn't want to act. He just he just yeah. said uh, no. Maybe he didn't want to act with Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, not quite up to Billy Wilder's standards, but he's trying. Yeah, yeah. That no, I think that's a good call, Michael. I think that that was a huge. Oh, what a yeah. falling off was there, as Shakespeare I, I says. Just, Boom. Uh, I mean, I'm not even sure I'll see his next movie because that's that's how disappointed I, I am in, in his work. All right, so let's turn to Mr. Tarantino, John. Um, well, I'm, I, to- I'm totally with you. Yeah, 100%. I, 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 I love. Pulp Fiction. I I just think it's a great and movie. Reservoir Dogs and and Reservoir Dogs yep, is excellent. Me too. It's rather violent. Sorry, I Steven. mean, and even in Tarantino's <laughs> world, and I think it's because the vi- the violence, most of the violence in Reservoir Dogs, it's very real. Whereas right in Kill Bill, s- it's it's cartoonish. It's like yes. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Kind yeah, of, yeah. And then the movies become the well, thing about Pulp Fiction is it's it's in control. The yeah. writing is in control and everything. Whereas the other movies, I mean. Inglorious Bastards is a very good example. It's almost like two movies put together. You have one movie, the scenes of Brad Pitt are almost bordering on satire. Let's do a satire but of the World War II movie. Right. And then you have three very two two brilliant scenes. Yes. The, the, op- the, op- the opening scene. The opening is scene. The oh opening my scene goodness. Is, that may be the brilliant. best scene he ever shot. Yeah. It, that is a brilliant scene, and then he steals that shot from the searchers at the end of it. Um, Get the door. The door. Standing in the door. And then uh, the scene when... In the bar? In the... Uh, well, the bar scene I love. The, yep. The card, the card game. Yeah. yeah. But also the scene when Christoph Waltz comes into where she's been asked to have lunch with them. And... She's like, oh my God! Does he does he recognize her? Does, does he, he recognize, recognize her? And they ordered the he orders the pastry for them and just has his conversation with her and it's the tension in that it's because you because you don't know does he recognize her? And when he says she'll have the milk and you go, oh my God! He yeah, knows. it's Shoshana! Oh my God! But you know, it, but his I love his use of music. But again, in the last scene yeah. when they just burn down the theater, the use of the, th- the song from Cat People. I mean, I don't mind anachronism too, too much, but that just com- was completely distracting. He's usually flawless at choosing music, and that was just... Yeah, the rest of that movie... I, we didn't meet the bastards. We didn't find out about anything about the bastards at all. They're in about three scenes. And I I, I, it, I don't know. The first four... It's, the movie's very entertaining. Yeah. I mean, you're not bored. I'm but not it's, sorry I saw it. Yeah, but it's, one... No, but it's... No. I mean, you don't come out of a Tarantino movie thinking, well, this is kind of bland. Well... Yeah, but Jackie yeah, Brown. Have you is seen too Hateful long. Eight? I love Jackie Brown. Again, cut it by a half an hour. I do. Yeah, minutes. I, I like enjoy it. Too. it. I, I like it too, but I, I agree. It's too, it's too long. I, I think love that De Niro. De Niro was oh, a oh, man. Oh, yeah, she was so funny. Up, so, I, so you know, I, uh, <laughs> I shot her. <laughs> I think that's Samuel Jackson's best performance, which is saying something. He, the love in the beginning when he talks Chris Tucker into getting into the trunk. Yeah. You know, and then, I mean, he's just 
and I love yeah, like Michael Keaton in that and, and Pam Greer deserve, and Robert Foster just that last yeah. scene I think Foster you know, got an Oscar nomination and he yeah. deserved it yeah. he was great I mean yeah. uh, you know you haven't seen the only other place I ever saw him was Medium Cool I think oh no he was the in The Descendants yeah I, he played I, it, uh, George Clooney's father-in-law but disappeared for a long time but you he know he works when Tarantino was working in the sort of unresolved present in Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, and Death Proof. You know, those I enjoy, though the first half of Death Proof is unwatchable. The second half of Death Proof is insanely good. But when he goes back into history, you know, be it slavery, be it Nazi Germany, be I like, I like Django Unchained. I do too, I think. But too again, long. But I think it goes out of control towards the end. All of a sudden it starts to become sort of cartoony with the way the violence is done and everything. And right. I'm just like... Okay, we're we're in a different movie now, or whatever. Right, and people getting shot in the balls, and you know, which yeah, happens yeah. in Twelve Times in Hateful Eight, yeah, and you're just like mm. Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight, the I first like the first half hour is really good. Yes, and very sets, tense. It sets up a great movie. The use of the storm, the atmosphere, and he creates and everything, and then it just becomes. Sort a of film cartoon. play, the well, petrified but it, forest. But it, yeah, but it becomes in seventy millimeters. Yes, <laughs> but, it be, but it, again, it becomes kind of cartoony with the way he does the violence, mm-hmm. and it's just—it's like, what are you trying to do? Yeah, I, I, it's neither fish nor flesh, and and I uh, I'm really worried about the new one, which is oh, about the the, uh, the Manson killings. Well, the fact I, that he wants he's determined to open it on the 50th anniversary of the day of the killings. It's like that's not something to celebrate. Quentin. Yeah, ex- exactly. I think that's sick. Uh, well, I mean, but but his the sick part of him, you know, the cop with the ear and the and the needle with the adrenaline and Pulp Fiction. I mean, that's sometimes him at his best. I th- I th- also he. I mean, obviously, he loves movies and he has an obsession with movies from the sixties, like late fifties to the sixties. Sometimes he's borrowing things here and there, but sometimes the movies it's like, okay, are you just? Is it more important to you to try to steal or? create an homage to a movie that you like in the 60s or are you going to keep it focused and to keep it about the story which I, he keeps it under control of Pulp Fiction and that's right. why that movie is so much better Agreed. than all the rest. Agreed. And, and, I, and, I, is a, and there is a little there is a shot in Pulp Fiction that he steals from Psycho. Which? Which one? When Ving Rhames is walking across oh, the yes, street, of course. and Willis oh, is in the car, that first you shot, yes. he looks at him, yes. and he's like, huh? and, <laughs> I remember at the time, yes. <laughs> oh, that's right, when uh, when her boss sees her driving yeah. away. Uh, in, in but Phoenix. he's holding yeah. a cake, isn't yeah. he holding yes. a cake? Yeah. <laughs> well, and then that scene devolves into the one part of Pulp Fiction where I think he gets out of control, we're in the, in the dungeon with the... Uh, you know, yeah. the, ga- the gagging was, and stuff that, like that. To me, nothing in Pulp Fiction was out of control. Zed's dead, I baby. <laughs> and once again, he gets very good performances out of people who I normally don't, don't like, like Bruce, like Bruce Willis. Willis. Yeah, Not a motorcycle, baby. It's a chopper. Um, so, but I, I'm going to slightly disagree with you on Django. I thought Django was disappointing, and I, loved the, I thought the performances were fine. I, I think that the most interesting thing about Django, the most disturbing thing about Django, is Samuel Jackson's character. Because the House Negro character is something we've never really seen in film before, yeah. and that was really interesting. But again, that dinner scene he's, just goes he's running, on, he's running the house. on and on, and laughing at all of DiCaprio's jokes, and yeah. it's really painful and really daring, I think. I mean, DiCaprio got the nomination for supporting. I thought no, he is very good for that. that. 
I think he did. Uh, no, the only person who was nominated for uh, was Vault. Django was Vault. Yeah, and won. And and won, and it wasn't a supporting role. Yeah, that I. Was my I love him. I love the opening. I love. Christoph Waltz mm-hmm. in the opening, you know, for those of you who are astronomically inclined, right? right the, the North Star is that one. So I actually thought DiCaprio was quite good in it, and it yeah. was nice. To yes, see, yeah, it's nice to see him work. doing some character work for a change. No, everyone's good. In yeah, it. I, I, I love Christoph Waltz is very good in it. Jamie Foxx is very good in it. it just, Samuel L. Jackson is very good, and I love that when you you find out at the end or whatever, it's like his whole thing was an act. Yeah, I, it's really interesting. And you get some weird people in the movie, like Dennis Christopher, who I yeah. haven't seen. And Don Johnson was good. And Don Johnson. Don Johnson was yeah, really good, was, too. Yeah. And Kerry Washington was great. Yes, and, um, who I like a lot. I think she's well, a and that's the, marvelous that, That's another thing I think that has to be said in Tarantino's favor, which is so funny because he's such a, a child, a man-child. Mm-hmm. But he writes some really powerful female characters. Yeah. And you wouldn't expect Uma that. Uma Thurman, yeah. the only time I've ever liked her. In Kill Bill or in, in Pulp, uh, Fiction? Pulp Fiction? I am not a fan of Kill Bill. And 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 Pam Greer and Jackie Brown. Yeah. And, and the... Um, the woman who's helping out the uh, the bastards and the actress. Yeah, um, in... Diane Kruger. Right. She's great. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Carrie Washington. Well, she's excellent. He's, at it. And plus, if you have you guys seen Death Proof? Well, no, not I'm not even that. familiar with it. Death Proof that. was, in t- 2007, it was the um, it was released in the Grindhouse double feature with uh, okay. R- Robert Rodriguez's, oh, that's another one who should be on our list, um, Robert Rodriguez's Planet Terror, and then it was like it was like going to an old double feature at the Sine Harris up on 42nd Street. I avoided you know? that because I had the misfortune of seeing Four Rooms. Oh, no, 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 yeah, that, we, and, we, don't, we don't talk about that. Uh, I actually I give it I give it one and a half room. I actually I saw it in Minneapolis at a, at an art theater. I saw four rooms, and I remember the Rodriguez movie so offended me that I went to the manager to complain, and I, I said, yes. "This is the worst movie I've ever seen." Oh, and, I saw it on and the and the Tarantino wasn't that much better, but it was better. I saw than it on a Rodriguez. plane, and it was so bad I walked out. I would have walked out. It was, is that what that scar is from? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a long way down, my friends. But uh, no, but so fr- because of that, I avoided Grindhouse. The first was, half you know, of of uh, of. Death Proof is atrocious. It's it's with um, Harry Belafonte's. No, the the first half of Tarantino's half of oh. it. The Rodriguez is awful. Um, but the it's it, it's really two stories connected by Kurt Russell's character, stuntman Mike. Right. Um, and the first half is just. T- People talking for a long, long time, and I didn't care. But the second half is this incredible car chase, like straight out of Vanishing Point, you know, which they reference in the film, or one of those early, or you know, Tulane Blacktop with Tracy Toms and Rosario Dawson and Zoe Bell, the stunt woman who is just amazing, and being cha- first being chased by and then chasing Kurt Russell, and it is one of the best twenty-five minutes of car chase you will ever see. But again, strong female characters, and odd coming from someone who seems so yeah. childish. Yeah, as opposed to childlike. (laughs) So, (laughs) so uh, Wes Anderson is childlike in the way he. Yes, Wes is childlike. (laughs) Tarantino's childish, but I hope that after the the Manson thing, he just snaps out of it. And uh, who knows? Supposed to quit? Who knows? knows? I thought he was only going to mean maybe the movie. It might. The the movie, the Manson movie that he's working on is it's centering on an actor and his stuntman who is his best friend. Isn't mm-hmm. that the focus of the yeah, movie? Yeah, I think so. It's uh, DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Yeah, I mean for me, I don't know. A Tarantino was like a major, major event. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. now yeah. it's like, now okay, it's... I should go. But I read go. somewhere that he was going to quit, that he was going to only make so many movies. You open up a video store? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he has enough They're money. doing well, I hear. Yeah. The last one. The last blockbuster. In Oregon. Good. In Bend, Oregon. Bend, Oregon. Go blockbuster. Yes. No, I, you know, I'm, forget about blockbuster. Those of you who are not New Yorkers... Those of you will will not know of it, I, I guess, but you know we had Kim's, Kim's. which was oh. the most amazing. I was able to run my film class for de- for a decade or two on uh, on what Kim's had. Well, they, they had stuff the, that the no one else. The best thing about Kim's was they had great foreign film section. Yes, and experimental films. I was doing yeah. a section, and they had you know they had uh, Scorpio Rising and all these you know stuff that wasn't even legally out on video yet, yeah. but they somehow managed to have it. Of course, remember if you walked in there, they had everything listed by director. Yep. Remember, and so if you didn't know who directed something, you're like, um, I'm looking for Gallipoli. and <laughs> they'd stare at you like you were you know something they stepped in, and they'd be like, yeah. Australia. Peter Weir, W-E-I-R. It's like, okay, Tarantino, calm the hell down. You know, they all thought they were going to be Quentin Tarantino and become the next next, uh, video store worker turned filmmaker. All right, so Michael, who was your your disappointment? Your big disappointment? Alexander Payne. no, Alexander no, Payne was his, oh, his best one. Was his best one. Cameron Crowe. Crowe. I think, which makes a ton of sense, unfortunately. And John and I are both going with Tarantino. All right, very quickly, um, let's talk quickly about a director who, for you guys, is on the fence, who could sort of go either way. And for me, um, I'll start this round. I think it's Todd Haynes. Because I, I think Haynes, hmm. I, yeah, I, I yeah, all Haynes, his, his movie are definitely hit or miss or whatever. He's made, some but most, of I mean, good movies and, I thought Safe was brilliant. Yeah. I thought Poison was brilliant. I thought uh, I liked Velvet Goldmine, even though most uh, people I, didn't. I didn't know. I, I loved Far From Heaven, and I'm the even. I, yes, I like Far From Heaven. Far a lot. From Heaven. Not that big a Douglas Sirk fan. I, I know that's what he was going for, but, but I, I love Carol too. And Carol. and that's what I was going to say because I really did Wonderstruck the last. One was a real disappointment, but the one before it, Carol. As I've said to you guys before, I am not a huge Kate Blanchett fan. The only thing I've truly loved her in is that she's I great completely in believed yes. her in that. She's great. She and so and, is but, uh, Rooney. But every single person in that, down to the smallest part, is yeah. excellent. It's great, yeah. and I love the music. Carter Burwell did the music. You know, who mm-hmm. works with the Coens, yeah. and I, yeah. I, I, I just—it's oh, it's a beautiful movie. I yeah. even like the Dylan film. There, I said it. Oh my God! Okay, I'm not there. I'm not there. Yeah, yeah. I I, I thought like it was interesting. It. A brilliant I was, idea. I thought it was. Yeah, I liked the idea. I thought it was interesting. I just I wasn't crazy about it. I mean, there. to do a biography of the idea of Bob Dylan rather than doing a biography of of, of Bob Dylan was yeah. just just a great jumping off point. That's very hit and very miss. Although funny, I do like Kate Blanchett in that too. Now that I think of it, yeah. as the uh, Don't Look Back '65, '66. Yeah. Yeah, Dylan. All right, so who are you guys holding out hope for? For me, Sofia Coppola. Yes. Well, I was going to say the same thing. Oh, Good. Yeah. All right. Hey, well, we're actually then... in agreement this week. This is no fun. <laughs> um, I I really liked uh, some of her early work, The Virgin Suicides and Lost in Translation. Lovely. I think it's a beautiful film. I think it's Bill Murray. What do you think of Marie Antoinette? Interesting. Yeah. I wasn't sorry I saw it, but then there was somewhere. <sighs> Yeah. And mm-hmm. once again, it was like, oh, God, when, when Hollywood people do Hollywood films, sometimes uh, it, it was torturous. Yeah. I just, I could not stand that movie. Well, but I think I think you're right. I think the jury's still out on The her. Bling She's... Ring was interesting. 
kind of funny. I did like the beguiled, and I've not seen the the uh, Don Siegel version. I like the Siegel. I... It's a weird Eastwood film. But... The reason I haven't, no, I've, seen... yeah, I've seen both movies. They're so different. They are very, yeah, yes. sure. very, very. Different. Well, I hate Colin Farrell, so that's what kept me ah, away from okay. it. <laughs> My problem with the beguiled was at the end of the movie, I felt like did they cut out three scenes? Yes, yeah, really? I, I just it just I just felt like there was a lot missing, and I do know that also from the book they took the slave yeah out. and then yeah. I don't know why she chose to do that because I, I think that's a major part of the story and there's apparently I have not read the book I'm actually I'm interested in reading the book now I, there's a, there's more about the the whole the whole thing about the fact that these these are southerners or whatever who supported slavery and that's just completely eliminated from from the no. story in the the beguiled in the, in, in the seagull or the it's in not the, in the book. Little... It's in. Oh, it's what? somewhat in. It's a little bit in the in the one with Don Siegel and Clint Eastwood. But See, Clint Eastwood's I, really not very good. He that. wasn't yeah. good when he was young as yeah. an actor. He, I he's think, so I think the Virgin Suicides is a beautiful. Yep. movie. Yeah. I mean, very very moving, a tragic story. But, yeah. Uh, I like that movie a lot. You know. Yeah, she's also hit or miss, but I'm, I am holding out. She's going to make another really good movie. And I'm going to also throw in the whole, I know, Michael, you were doing the whole Michelle Gondry, Charlie Kaufman, Spike Jones. I mean, I think her, yeah. her is one of the great movies of this decade, but what happened to Michelle Gondry? Uh, Eternal Sunshine, I think, was oh. maybe the second or third best film of, of that good, decade. I love that movie. It was my really favorite movie. movie of that year. And, and I like I, Be Kind, Rewind, and Science of Sleep, okay. and some of the, the goofier, sweeter ones. But then The Green Hornet. Well, all right, mm -hmm. you got to pay the bills. I guess, but um, I, I've kind of stopped going to his movies. I do like Spike Jones. I, I didn't realize he's only made four movies. Only four movies, and yeah. I loved Where the Wild Things Are also. That one I, was, I wasn't crazy about. Her I love. Beautiful Being uh, John Being Malkovich. John Malkovich. I, and an adaptation is <laughs> An adaptation is brilliant. wonderful. Brilliant. Um, and I liked Anomalisa. Anomalisa was beautiful. I like Calvin. That's, that's Kaufman. Yeah, I like Kaufman yeah. better as a writer than as a director. Uh -huh. well, but, yeah. but but Synecdoche, New York is worth, it's possibly up there with last year at Marienbad as among the most it challenging really movies. It really is weird. I've, so if that's what you're looking for on a cold gray afternoon, uh, try, uh, try Synecdoche, New York. But it's a rough go. I think it's worth it, though. It, I wasn't sorry. Another film I wasn't sorry I saw it. I thought it was a noble failure. But I did think it was okay, and you know, and again, work. two two ideas have come out of this. The first is that you know it's the whole problem with the auteur theory, which mm. you know has been articulated by everybody from Pauline Kael onward. Which is, are we disappointed in certain people because they're not making movies the way they used to? They're not making their movies. Do they not have the right to grow? You know, and that's true of music too. I mean, you know, when yeah. the Beatles started started doing psychedelic stuff, everyone was like, oh, I want I want to hold your hand. Where's that? And the Beach Boys when they started doing their experimental stuff well, same sometimes thing. you're too long at the table I mean, I mean yeah. Woody Allen is one of my favorite directors but Oof. in the last 15 years too long under the table it's he's been copying himself yeah parroting himself and not as good as what he used to do yeah agreed uh, for the most part and his last movie 
the Wonder Wheel was his worst. Oof. And yeah, well, that, I consider him part of that 70s generation, although he was a little bit earlier. But um, although we all just saw the Paul Schrader film, and so yeah. maybe that generation is not quite dead yet. First Reformed is kind of a remarkable film, even if it does borrow heavily, uh, but from very good sources, as yeah. opposed to Tarantino stealing from, you know, uh, drive-in films. <laughs> um, well, listen, he, that's, that's what he does. You know, yeah. he, he wants to be Godard. I mean, there's no, you know, his film production company is called well, Band Apart Films. I, I think that, you might disagree, but that I think that's partly why the Kill Bill movies are so uneven. I think there's some really great set pieces in those movies. There's, there's parts of it that work really well. And then there's other parts that's like, what huh? are we doing To here? me, that was a video game, and I didn't see it's the part like, two. What? Oh, I, 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 I hear part two's it's, better. It's, so. it's a little long. I, you know what? Well, it was you know originally what? one film. Yeah. What and makes Kill Bill for me is the payoff at the ending where, spoiler alert, where she finds out that her daughter is alive. And the scenes that she plays yes. with David Carradine and the girl who plays Bibi yeah. are actually, I didn't know if Uma Thurman would be up to I, making I, that I, believable. I I like, and I think she totally did. Yeah, I, I think I like two better. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to learn the five-point palm exploding heart technique. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's beautiful stuff. All right, so uh, there it is. The generation of '99. The jury is still out, and there are already and there's already and Kimberly a new... Pierce. Where are you? Please come back. You. Mary Harron, too. Stop doing TV and come back to movies. Um, for our next episode, we're going to retreat back into the safe and uh, talk about our favorite moments in Hitchcock. We're always going to sort of drift back to Hitchcock, you know, as is kind of inevitable. And we're going to talk about our five favorite Hitchcock moments. And we hope you're looking forward only to five. that. Only five. You only get five, John. Sorry. You only get five. All right. I already, I already have four. I have to pick my fifth one. Um, and we thank you for listening. As always, please uh, send us your your feedback our website is going to be up next month so uh we will uh, attach you to that and uh, get you going with that and uh as always uh vintage sand is a five nines and a four production uh produced by melissa cabot thank you to gabby for the logo thanks to mama sue and alexa for the use of the space and keep watching this space